Our scripture reading today is from Isaiah, chapter 53, verses 1 through 3. Who has believed our message? To whom will the Lord reveal his saving power? My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, sprouting from a root in dry and sterile ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with bitterest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way when he went by. He was despised, and we did not care. This is the word of the Lord. I have to uh, tell you about a neat experience I had a few years ago. Did you know that there's a group uh, that goes around the country traveling uh, with, with a full-sized replica of the tabernacle? It, it gets, yeah, it kind of makes the, the rounds through, throughout the country. And it, it came to Amarillo uh, a few years ago, and it, it got set up, and they found a church that had some land that they could put it on, and it, it was able to be there for a couple of weeks. And so uh, it was uh, it was really neat opportunity because I got to, to take uh, some of my, my high school students, and we could walk through it and look in Scripture where it described different things. And it has all the different elements of the tabernacle inside of it, so all the, the, the things that were used for worship inside of it as well. And, and you could see it, and they even had these headphones, and they, you would hear you know, prayers uh, from the Old Testament things while they were in the, the tabernacle. And is, Does that thing ever come around here? Is there ever? No? Yeah, okay. Well, if we ever find it, we've got to go see it. So uh, it's, it's pretty neat. But I want to show you a picture. Uh, there, there are a couple other replicas in the world of the tabernacle, and, and I'm going to show you a picture of one that exists, and it's in Israel uh, today. What, what is your first reaction to seeing the tabernacle? It's probably the same reaction that I had when I saw it. Huh. A little underwhelmed. <laughs> Not quite what I had in mind when I thought about the tabernacle. Um, I, I probably had higher expectations, right? It, um, it, it is a fairly basic thing, and it's, it's not really all that big. The, the tent itself is 15 feet by 45 feet. A lot of you have sheds bigger than that, right? Uh, 15 feet by 45 feet. The whole the whole surrounding, the circumference of it with the, with the fence, if you will, is 75 feet by 150 feet. So we're not talking about a huge area, are we? That's smaller than you probably had in your mind if I said, this is the tabernacle. It's not probably what you thought it would have looked like. But the tabernacle was such an important part of life uh, for, for the Israelites. And, and for, it, it served that purpose for a very long time. It, it, it did a lot of things and, and served many purposes. And, and so this morning, we are going to look at the tabernacle, why it mattered, and what in the world it has to do with Christmas. So let's pray together. Father, would you help us to hear and to see your word? Would you help us to see Jesus this morning in a different way, in a different light, that we would be more appreciative, more grateful, more thankful. 
that our hearts would be filled with gratitude and worship. Would you change us this morning through your word? In Jesus' name, amen. So our passage for this morning is John chapter 1. We're going to read verses 1 through 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory Glory is of the only Son, from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. And so if you looked at the bulletin beforehand, you notice that our character this morning is Jesus. We have been in a series for Advent where we are looking at the different characters of the Christmas story. And so far, we have been talking about ordinary people, normal folk, People who weren't rich or famous, not known for anything or living any kind of extraordinary lives. And so as we approach talking about Jesus in this character series, it's easy for us to say, well, Jesus was anything but ordinary. He's different than the rest of the characters, right? He's anything but ordinary. And my, my first reaction is that Of course, right? Jesus is beyond extraordinary. He is the greatest of all things. The only perfect person to have ever lived. The Savior of the world. He walked on water. He calmed storms. He did all kinds of healings and miracles. Of course, he wasn't ordinary. But there is another side to it that I think we need to consider. Remember what we know about the situation of the Christmas story. What is the setting in history? Jesus was born 400 years after the end of the Old Testament. The people were living in darkness. Remember, they were no longer an actual nation. They were 
subject to Rome. They were a conquered and defeated people. Jesus was born in Bethlehem to a carpenter. We, we talked last week. He, a craftsman. He was, he was a trade man. He knew his way around tools. And he was born to a young lady with a questionable story. We'll just say it nicely. And, and you know the details, right? You could tell me the story. They're not wealthy. They're not powerful. They're, they're so un, un, just common, ordinary folk. They can't find a place to stay. They can't find a place to stay in Bethlehem. Jesus, born in the humblest of circumstances. Jesus becomes a refugee as a young child on his way to Egypt. Later, as a young boy, he moves back to Nazareth, which we've talked about was, what did we say the size of? Yeah, it's about the size of Monroe Center, right? Does anything good come out of Monroe? Not picking on Monroe Center. <laughs> but that's Nazareth, right? In the middle of, it, compared to Chicago, does anything good come out of there, right? That's Nazareth. That's where Jesus is raised. That's where he spends his life. A, a, a truly insignificant city was Nazareth. And, and almost certainly he was taught his father's profession. So, so he's the son of a carpenter, the son of a craftsman. His dad taught him the same thing. He went into that business probably as well. As we just read from our Old Testament passage, there, there wasn't anything spectacular about him that made him famous. He wasn't especially good looking according to Isaiah. I don't know. There's lots of good pictures of him that I think he's a pretty handsome guy, but um, he must have been a fairly ordinary-looking guy. That's, that's really all that we can know. He was plain, kind of like the tabernacle we just saw. He, a little more ordinary than what we might expect. He was a plain guy. He wasn't known for his dancing. He wasn't known for his singing. He wouldn't have been famous on TikTok or whatever. He you know, he wouldn't have had a whole lot of followers. He's just an average guy. And, and because we know that he was fully human, we can confidently assume that he went through adolescence like all of us. He got acne. Jesus. He went through it. He knows. His voice would have been squeaky and squawky at times, Right? He went through all of the things. If you're a parent, you know. He went through all of that. He was a human, a normal human. And, and this is part of what I think is so amazing about God's plan for the incarnation. Jesus is going to be fully human and an average human at that. C.S. Lewis called it the greatest news that could ever be reported. He says, the central miracle asserted by Christians is the incarnation. Jesus is going to be fully human. They say that God became man. He goes down to come up again and bring the whole world ruined, sorry, the whole ruined world up with him. The miracle of the incarnation is truly that, a miracle. God's plan to send God in flesh 
as an ordinary person. Only God could have come up with an idea like this. So our passage for this morning is, is such an important piece of Scripture because it, 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 gives, it gives us a, a glimpse of this incomprehensible man, Jesus, who is fully divine and fully human, both fully. And it tells us why he came. The, the, the first several verses of, of John 1 describe the, the deity of, of Jesus. And John makes it clear that Jesus is God. He's not kind of like God. He's not, you know, a friend of God. He, he's not, he, he is God. He is God. John tells us he is the creator of all things. So when we think of the Genesis story, it's Jesus. Jesus is creating. He is the author of life. Says everything that's been made, he made. And, and, and God's plan in this incarnation, in this bringing Jesus, is to bring light and life to the world so that everyone could see it. Why does God want the whole world to see the light and life of Jesus? Well, verse 12 tells us the purpose is belief. It says, to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. God showed the world the glory of Jesus so that they would believe, so that they would believe. And, and when they believed, new life would come, a birth into new life. A new relationship with God as his children because of the work of Jesus. That's what, what John says is, is here, is to come. A new relationship for those who believe. A new birth for those who believe in this Jesus. And then it gets even more interesting. If you've got your Bibles open, I want you to keep looking at verse 14. Maybe the most amazing verse uh, in, in this whole thing, and, and there's a lot of amazing stuff here. Verse 14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So here is where we see Jesus come in the flesh. God in flesh. Incredible. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And, and so I just have to stop here and, and tell you something incredible. The, the original language of this verse does not say dwelt among us. Do you know what it says? It doesn't say dwelt among us. It says something even more profound, even more beautiful if you ask me. It says the Word became flesh and tabernacled with us. The Word became flesh and tabernacled with us. There's a, he made a verb. He created a new word to tell us what Jesus did. He tabernacled with us. Translators have struggled to know what in the world to do with this kind of, this, this word that is hard to put, hard, it's a word that's hard to put into words, isn't it? What does it mean that he tabernacled 
among us. And I don't know that our tra- English translations have done it justice. Some, some newer translations say something like camped. The word became flesh and camped among us. Some say lived. Dwelt is a good word. It's, it's what most translations say today. Dwelt among us. But I want you to, to, to think of the imagery that John is trying to give us here. Jesus, God in flesh. He came down. He's taken on flesh. And not in just an appearance. He's a real human being. And it says that he became the, the tabernacle in the midst of humanity. He became the tabernacle. And so we saw a picture of the tabernacle just a few minutes ago, a, a, a replica that does best that we can you know, recreate it from the descriptions of the Old Testament. This kind of plain-looking tent. What, what was the tabernacle? It, it, was, it was the place... Um, it was the place where the Israelites would come, where they would go to pray. It was the place of worship for the, for the Israelites. It was the place they could have relationship with God. Uh, it, it was the place where um, it, it housed the, the Ark of the Covenant. It, the presence of the Lord was found in that 15 by 45 foot tent. That is where God's presence was. And so I want to show you another picture. Um, This is just a drawing um, of what it would have looked like um, whenever the Israelites stopped and set up camp. This is how God instructed them uh, to camp. So you can see there in the middle, there's this little rectangle. And that rectangle has a pillar of smoke coming out of it. And you already know because you're all very smart. That's the tabernacle. That's our little rectangle. That 75 by 150 foot thing. And God said, I want you to camp around it. The presence of God is here, surrounded as best you can. And they were all given assignments. It was all very detailed and organized. And some say, if you look at that bottom one there with Judah, Judah was the biggest clan. Uh, it might have looked a little bit like the shape of a cross because they had to stay in certain lines and that would have been a longer line. So maybe, maybe when God looked down upon the Israelites, he saw the cross. It's just a theory. Interesting. But there in the middle, that's the tabernacle. Why? Why would God have said, put the tabernacle in the middle and everyone surround it? To be near the presence of God because he was in that place. That's where he was. And so everybody got to be as, they wanted everybody as close as they possibly could be to the presence of God. And, and I just don't have time to tell you all the simil- similarities between Jesus and the tabernacle, but it's a fascinating thing. But Jesus did come to be the tabernacle and all the things it was created to do Jesus fulfilled. Jesus did. And he came to dwell with us forever. Another, another name for the tabernacle was the tent of meeting. And, and they would always say that God's Shekinah glory 
was found in the tent of meaning, the Shekinah glory. Where God's glory could be found was in that place. So, you hear this imagery again. The Word became flesh and tabernacled among us. Right here, He tabernacled among us. And we have seen His glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And Jesus came to do so much for us. But part of what He came to do is to allow us to see the glory of God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. That's part of what Jesus came to do. And to teach us that he is full of grace and truth. It it has been suggested by many that, that Jesus came to save us, to sympathize with us, and to show us how to live. Now, that may be a little bit simplistic, but I think most things kind of fit in those categories, right? To to save us, to sympathize with us, and to show us how to live. This is what it means for, for, for Jesus to come and show us the glory of God, the glory of Christ, to do those things. Uh, one, one Bible commentator, Leon Morris, said it this way. Where people need help, he helped them. Where they were sick, he healed them. Where there were ignorant folk, he taught them. Where there were hungry people, he fed them. All the time he was seeking the needy. He did not haunt the palaces of kings and governors. He was not found in the high places of the earth. All his life he was among God's little people. Those who in one way or another felt their need. And wherever there was need, he was found doing lowly service. That is what Christ came to do. And that is glory. The Word became flesh and tabernacled among us, and we have seen His glory. Glory is of the only Son. Jesus came to show us His glory through His humanity. He was an average person in so many ways. And and what is amazing is that, that Jesus on earth showed how much He cared for average people. He was always among the lowest of society. He wouldn't have looked extraordinary, but who he was and what he came to do was amazing. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us here. We have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Let us not forget this glory, this miracle of the incarnation, that Jesus came as an ordinary person for everyone He came as an ordinary person for everyone. He came for you. He came for me. A baby born in a manger, born in a stable, who experienced normal life with normal parents. And he did that for a reason. He did that to save us, to sympathize with us, to teach us how to live, to teach us truth. This is the glory of Jesus, the beautiful humanity of Christmas. Son of God, Love's pure light. Let's pray. What an amazing truth that is Jesus. Fully God, fully man. One who could walk on water and do all things. Was also a boy. Was a baby. 
I was a teenager. Experienced all of this life in ordinary ways. Father, help us to see both sides. This baby born king and this baby born in the lowly manger, both are true. And help us to remember you came as an average human for average people like us. To tabernacle, to live amongst us, to stay with us. Remind us that we have Jesus in our midst. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.